All right. We are here on this hot Sunday afternoon here in the land of Israel. And you are listening to the Tamar Yona Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. This is a live show if you're listening on Sunday between 4 to 5 p.m. Holy Time right here in the land of Israel. Or if it's between 9 to 10 a.m. U.S. Eastern Time, that means that we are live. And you can call into the show and be on the air with us and weigh in on the issues that we're talking about. So if you have a comment or a question on the topics that we're talking about on the show today, feel free to call in. Our numbers are on the top of our homepage on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. And today we're going to be talking about NATO terror and puppeteering. Hmm. Again, what's that about? Our guest is going to tell us. Windows to World War Three. Maybe I'll title the show that. I don't know. And Israel trade facts is what the first thing we'll be talking about. And we have joining us Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. He's a researcher, former lecturer at Ben-Gurion University. He's authored over 80 books and 400 research papers on science, history, and more. He commentates on Mideast and world issues. And I want to welcome to the show Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. Thank you. Okay, very good to have you on. Uh, before actually we go and talk about what's happening in Israel with trade facts, I want to just mention because my show, I'm only doing one show a week uh, lately, um, and I hope to up it back to my three shows I usually do a week. But in the meantime, uh, there was a terror attack since my last show, a very terrible one that took place uh, near the community of Eli, which is north of Jerusalem, about, I don't know, 45-minute drive maybe, um, more or less. And uh, four uh, people were killed on, on the site uh, two of them, young boys, they were in their late teens, and uh, it was a terrible tragedy. It was a horrible terror attack, and these things just came, keep to be coming in waves now. And people here in Israel, just as commenting on it, this attack was, a, just for anyone who's not familiar, there was a terrorist there with a gun. He shot people eating in a small little uh, falafel hummus-type restaurant and... Uh, at a gas station, etc., and thank God that he was shot and killed. But uh, there was uh, very little preventive measures to avoid such a thing. In other words, the deterrent factor for the terrorists today almost doesn't exist. The army is so handcuffed in what our soldiers can do and how they're allowed to act because our leadership... I believe, are so afraid of what the international community is going to say that we just try to keep the status quo. We don't go in and solve the problem. We, we take out the terrorists with tweezers instead of doing what needs to be done, and that is a massive, massive operation, which I'm not going to go into now. We don't have time. Now, the people in Israel are sick and tired of this. Some of the youth now are already going out on their own because the army is not acting and doing vigil ante uh, reprisals against the Arabs and the Arab towns and where, where these terrorists came from. And uh, it is making problems. I mean, these kids then get arrested and they, their whole lives are ruined. And uh, there's, there's a big problem here. I want to say that this is a small country. And just with this terror attack, this is around, you know, 40, 40 or so minutes from where I live. And my 
uh, well, I'm not going to say who exactly, but I know someone very well who was the first responder. He was the first one on the scene. He was, he's, uh, he works in the medical, uh, emergency, um, industry here in Israel. It's not an industry, but, uh, he's a medical, he's a paramedic. He got the call. He was right near the, the, uh, place where it happened. He even heard the gunshots when he arrived and got there. The four people who died were already dead. Sadly, it was, it was just a massacre. It was terrible. And my nephew had dropped off two of those young boys at the restaurant there 30 minutes before this happened. And of course they were at the, they went to the funerals and they've buried, they've, they've gone to so many of their friends' funerals. They also live out in uh, Judean Samaria in the Judean region. It's a, it's a, it's a painful situation of which we just, it just, it's like wash, rinse, repeat, wash, rinse, repeat. So uh, before we start the show, Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem, you were in the IDF also. You served directly under Ariel Sharon or, or with him. You knew him. Uh, you worked, you, you guarded, you, you, you did your military activities together. Ariel Sharon was known or had a reputation of being the bulldozer, how do you weigh in on this? Well, first of all, I have to mildly disagree with one thing that you said. I don't think it's the the I don't think the issue in deterrence is a problem so much at the government level in terms of the executive. I think it's at the judicial level. And I think that's part of the reason for this conundrum of the judicial reform. That okay. the judiciary has been able to um allocate to itself um, uh, um, um, abrogate to itself uh, powers that are simply unnatural and have caused um, a, a large portion of the um, officer corps in the IDF to be afraid of what they're doing, be afraid of giving orders because they'll, 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 they'll have to stand trial for things that are very normal and very natural in every normal country. Okay, so I want to just jump in here and say that I like when you disagree with me because then maybe I can learn something or maybe I'll still disagree and I'll, and I'll convince you or maybe not. We'll just have a very vivacious and, and stimulating discussion. But I want to say with your, with your point of uh, it being also the judicial system, I agree with you a hundred percent. So add that to what I said. I like that what you said. <laughs> All right. Uh, we need the 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 we need we need some changes. We need some judicial reform here in Israel. The present government, thank goodness, is trying to do that, and let's wish them the best of uh, luck, strength, wisdom, courage, everything they need to do in order to get that passed. Because so our our army can do what they need to do, but also that our own government officials, who are also afraid of international reaction, that they man up as well and protect our people and not just keep the status quo and take out the terrorists with tweezers. Okay. Well, let's, that yeah. statement is okay, but we have to remember that we do need to recognize also the issues of concerning the international, um, uh, uh, in, in, in international, uh, uh, issues, um, not give them top priority, but they knew they do, they do need to be part of the decision process. Well, I will say I don't know if I agree with you there, but 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 we will we can we can argue that another time. That's fine. 
Okay. okay, let's get to because I know that you're 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 running today. We have three minutes left to this segment, so let's start out with the topic of Israel trade facts. Okay, I'll try to make this 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 bit of it kind of short because it's a lot of detail, and a lot of this detail is is it, it just floats over people's head. Uh, but let me just give a, um, a, a general picture here. Um, Israeli trade, as people will obviously know, Israel is a strong exporting nation. Our economy is based upon exports. Um, if we divide in a very gross manner for the for, for the first chop here, um, our our largest exporting partner is Europe, not just the European Union, but Europe as a whole. We our trade with them this past year was uh, about forty nine billion dollars. Next after that is the United States with $22 billion. And next after that was China with $21 billion. So U.S. and China are approximately equal today in terms of our trade with them. However, and this is fascinating, I think, um, our trade with the with the Europeans and with, when, with America is based both on goods and services. Our trade with China is almost exclusively goods. There's very little trade in services to China. I, I put agriculture as a, a mild exception, but agricultural services are part of our trade with China, but that's relatively small. Uh, uh, Israel's global trade in 2013 in goods, again, goods only, stood at $120 billion. In 2022, this rose to $162 billion, a 35% increase. China accounts for approximately one quarter of the growth. So the trade with China is accelerating very, very nicely. Trade with the U.S. on that same period accelerated by only 26%. Um, trade with Europe is about par with the general general um, uh, uh, increase. Um, Asian trade continues to trade upward. As, as Asian trade, that is to say, including China. Uh, increased by 72% compared to 2019. Um, the problem here, the issue here, is that any discussion of cha- trade with China is incomplete without the issue of great power competition. Uh, tensions affecting Israeli exports to China uh, uh, are strongly influenced by constant U.S. pressure to limit our exports to China. By the way, if that was only limited to exports in terms of defense exports, I could understand it. It's not. The United States uh, uh, cries basically about all exports to China. Well, they, of course, export. They have a tremendous um, um, export uh, uh, import deficit with China, but they cry about any time we export to China. one of the big differences, however, is that China is the fastest aging country on the planet right now. And one of the areas where we are very strong is in life sciences and medical. Okay, you don't want to hang we- it, hang it right there. We got to go to a break. We're going to be right back.
All right, we are back here at the Tamar Yona Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Our, de- our guest is Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem, and he is talking about Israel trade facts. And you were I had to interrupt you when you were talking about China, so why don't you go and finish that thought? Okay, I was just saying that uh, China's over-60 demographic is their largest, uh, I'm sorry, pardon me, fastest-growing demographic, and... Uh, that is also our strong uh, strong suit in terms of export, both in terms of goods and services. And we have uh, very strong expectations in that in terms of China trade to, towards that demographic. Okay. Anything else that you wanted to talk about that point? No, no, no. That that, that that's the okay. point. I mean, I, I wanted people to get some picture of what Israeli trade looks like today. I mentioned last week that our defense exports are, are growing very rapidly um i wanted to round out that picture with uh, a a general uh, general statement about uh, israeli trade okay so talking about uh trade and which takes more than one person of course we have nato which is an organization where they're working uh with this a defense pact and you want to talk about nato terror and puppeteering so what's that about Okay, um, people are accustomed to looking at NATO from the standpoint, and this is not criticism of anybody uh, in, in principle, uh, from the standpoint of what the um, uh, the media, the so-called media, um, I don't consider them to be either media or newspapers or uh, maybe scrap paper, but okay. Um, uh, 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 but people aren't aware of what goes on behind the scenes. So I'm going to give a little bit of a mild uh, historical perspective, and then I'm going to bring it home to where it is today. Okay, so if we look at NATO uh, operations, NATO um, uh, has done many things over the years that when people actually know about what's going on, what actually happened, they, 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 they're they a little bit, um, uh, 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 some of these facts might be a little bit un- unexpected for many people. So let's begin with um, uh, 1947. NATO uh, was, uh, um, uh, I, I don't know if NATO, NATO, I think, was founded in 49. So maybe that's not NATO, but it doesn't matter. It's uh, uh, um, um, uh, one of the poor, it was, it was Britain and, uh, and America that did it. Um, uh, Britain initiated in 1947 something which they called Operation Embarrass. That, that, was, that actually was the name. Uh, 1947 and 1948, um, in other words, after the mandate, the mandate had already ended, so they had not yet left at the time, um, uh, and the uh, uh, the MI6 uh, attempted to blow up some Italian ships and blame it on um, uh, on Israel, which hadn't yet been founded, uh, and on the Haganah, and of course, it, it, uh, uh, luckily for us, it, it literally blew up in their faces, Um and uh, it embarrassed them, and it didn't embarrass us. But it did cause some uh, European countries to look at us askance and, and uh, gave us a bad name. Their objective, of course, was to accuse us of terrorism. But in the end, we all know that they were actually the terrorists. And that's an important issue because it didn't end there. It began there. Okay. Mm-hmm. The next operation was an operation that was called Operation Gladio. G-L-A-D-I-O. Uh, it was primarily based in Italy, but it was not only based in, in Italy. 
Um, uh, the excuse for it was to what they called uh, uh, a strategy of tension or stay behinds. These are both names that were used for it. Um, MI6 and the CIA. This began in the, if I remember correctly, in 1951. I'm not exactly certain of that year, pardon me. Um, uh, 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 what happens if the Soviet Union invades Europe and they win? So these were supposed to be groups that would stay behind, as the name implied, and conduct terror operations against the new occupiers. Um, unfortunately, um, uh, as is the want of both MI6 and the CIA, it was not limited to this. For instance, some people might recall, some people who are maybe as old as I am, that the, uh, uh, the Italian prime minister at the time, a gentleman by the name of Aldo Moro, was kidnapped by the Red Brigades. And that was kind of strange because Aldo Moro was a left-wing prime minister mm -hmm. and the Red Brigades were totally, were supposedly socialists. So why would they kidnap and kill him? Well, that was actually a MI6 operation. People aren't aware of that. Um, uh, the, 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 we're now seeing a lot of these acts, and this is where I'm sort of bringing it to the present now, um, the, that historical background. We're now seeing a lot of this going on in the Ukraine. And one of the more fascinating of these is um, uh, uh, what happened this, this past um, uh, this past few days. People are probably aware that the, the uh, Wagner Group and the head of the Wagner Group attempted a, a coup against um, uh, uh, Vladimir Putin. They wanted to try to show that Putin is weak and to um, um, uh, uh, divide um, Russia instead of being the Russians are extraordinarily backing Putin. Even Russians that don't like him are still backing him. Um, the latest polls show his popularity in Russia is somewhere between 85 to 90 percent. I mean, something that no American president can ever dream of. Um, but sometimes in wartime, they can dream of that. Sorry? Sometimes in wartime, people people can dream of that because people during wartime, usually they don't want to change horses in, you know, in, in the middle of the race, they say, and they'll support their president or leader. Sometimes, sometimes. Okay. But um, uh, uh, the point is that they, they tried to uh, um, uh, NATO again, try to um, weaken Russia and weaken Putin by doing this. It backfired. Um, the uh, whole incident, um, Ended very very quickly. It's already totally over. Um, uh, 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 I, I'm sorry, I can't pr quite pronounce his name. Cry Prozozhin. Very bad at Russian names. I apologize. Okay. Um, has fled Russia. He is now reportedly in Belarus. Um, uh, there was a rumor uh, uh, on one of the American uh, imitation news news organizations that the president of Belarus had fled. That rumor is a lie. Um, there's also a rumor that uh, this Prozosian fellow is Jewish. That's a lie. Um, uh, they do a lot of lying. Um, uh, uh, in parallel to this, uh, the European countries are attempting to initiate an effort to, quote unquote, boost European ammunition production. And the idea is they want to be able to manufacture one million shells per year. Just to give this perspective. This is a third of what Ukraine uses, and it's a tenth of what Russia uses. 
So even this so-called um, uh, 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 big boost to European production is pathetic. Um, the United States is blocking it because they want to sell uh, um, uh, ammunition to Europe. But unfortunately, the United States is manufacturing today just a few tens of thousands a year. So the United States doesn't have the capacity, but it's preventing Europe from building up its, its capacity. So, again, NATO is a bluff. It, 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 it always has been. It's getting more so. The more NATO grows, the more countries that are in NATO, the more it becomes a bluff. Just to give, uh, again, a bit of perspective here, um, the, the, the Ukraine has initiated this um, so-called counteroffensive, not for the first time. In a few days, they've lost over 160 tanks. They've lost um, uh, um, uh, 10 soldiers for every Russian soldier that's killed. Um, uh, it's gone up from one, from 1 to 7 to 1 to 10. They're running out of vehicles. They're running out of tanks. They're running out of soldiers. They're running out of people. This is a horrible thing to say, but Ukraine is literally running out of warm bodies. <clears throat> they don't tell you that on the mainstream Western news outlets. Correct. That's 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 kind of the stuff that's that's hidden. Um, if we look at markets, markets now, this is my reading of them. You're more than welcome to disagree. Markets seem to be predicting a major war by this by this spring. Remember, we're in summer, so when I say spring, that's a year from now, but something like three or four quarters, markets seem to be predicting a major war. It's not clear what exactly they're afraid of, but there's a lot of fear in the markets right now. Unfortunately, and I emphasize that this word, unfortunately, is my opinion, Russia right now is the only country that's prepared for war. The United States is abysmally unprepared. So is China. Anyone who thinks that the next war to break out will be between the United States and China could be right, but that would be highly pathetic. Both countries are woefully unprepared. Even China? Including China, yes. Okay, people aren't aware of this. Let me give you a, a couple of facts that'll put, again, China into perspective in this sense. As everyone, anyone who knows anything about Chinese culture, the family and the family name is extraordinarily important to Chinese people and Chinese culture. 75% of the people serving in the uh, 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 of Chinese military are single children. In other words, any Chinese soldier that dies wipes out a family. The idea that China will go to war and lose hundreds of thousands of soldiers just appears to me to be an absurd notion. I can't see it happening. All right, let's hold it there. We have to go for another break. And when we get back, windows to World War III. All right, we 
are back here at the Tamar Yuna Show on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, your favorite radio station. And by the way, share it with other people because we are a... Uh, a modest station. Not everybody knows about us. So we depend on you to tell your friends, your community, the places where you worship, people who might be interested in Israel, in Judaism, uh, what's happening in politics, etc. Tell them about us and give them our website, IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Tell them to click on the red button that says listen now so they can get our live stream and listen in, or they can listen on demand to any of our podcasts whenever they like. That's all at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Don't forget to share it. Even write it on a piece of paper and put it up on the bulletin board in your, uh, you know, your 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 synagogue or or wherever you uh, pray, etc. Okay, we are back with our guest, Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem, and we're going to be talking now about windows to World War Three. Wow. Okay. Everyone talks about it. Everyone's afraid about it. Everyone's predicting it. So where would you like to start, Dr. Mordechai Ben Menachem? Okay. Let's start with the obvious. <clears throat> okay. When I say windows, uh, people, uh, um, uh, the, the obvious thing to think about is where could a World War Three begin? So the three obvious places, I'm going to skip over them. Three obvious ones are something that happens between Israel and Iran, something that happens between North Korea and South Korea, something happens between China versus Taiwan. So I'm going to skip over those for the moment. If we have time, we'll, maybe we'll come back to that. Let's look at some other places that people are less aware of to give people a, a better perspective on things that are going on around the world about this. Okay. So the first place I'm going to talk about is the Nile, River Nile. Everyone knows it at least at very least in, in terms of history. Um, one of the most important rivers in the world, of course, both physically, geographically, historically, from whatever perspective. Nile waters, um, to give people some idea of what we're talking about, about 300 million people depend upon its water, its water supply. Um, it's a lot of water, a lot of people. The British occupation of Egypt, the first 23, Egypt and the UK signed an agreement that only Egypt has rights to these waters. That was in 1929. Or to be more accurate, they have rights to 90% of the water. And to heck with the rest of the countries. This so-called agreement gave Egypt sole power to veto any construction that potentially impacts the water supply. Including in other countries, including those countries that aren't even neighbors of Egypt. It's a pretty weird agreement between when, when Egypt is making a, an agreement with a country that has no interest whatsoever in the Nile River. So uh, another um, uh, uh, ridiculous action of the uh, the, the uh, uh, British Foreign Office. The Nile transverses many other countries, nine to be exact. Countries that were never party to this ridiculous agreement. By the way, um, in nineteen in, in twenty ten, these nine signed a cooperative framework agreement. Egypt refused to sign it, um, and Egypt is now threatening war against all of them, all nine countries. Um, each, Israel has installed air defense systems in Ethiopia to deter Egypt. Um, uh, uh, we have, uh, I would call them fair to good uh, uh, relations with Ethiopia, which is not surprising since we have a large um, uh, a population of former Ethiopians in the country. Some of them are very good, good friends of mine, lovely people. Um, 
so that gives an idea of what's happening in the Nile in the Nile Basin. Um, people should be aware the dam that Ethiopia is 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 building is not on the Nile itself; it's on one of the Nile tributaries, a tributary called the Blue, Blue Nile. So, okay, so we're finished with the Nile. We'll go on to the next one, the next area of potential significant conflict. There are today, by the way, more than thirty wars, active wars in the world today. What I'm talking about now are ones that could potentially uh, ignite a world war. So the next one is the Aegean Sea. That is to say, a war between Greece and Turkey. That's not exactly a new thing. There have been wars between Greece and Turkey now for 3,000 years. Everybody's heard of Troy. Troy was a city in what is now Turkey. Um, The people then were not Turkish, by the way. They were Greece, but that's beside the point. Um, Both are NATO members. And this is the sort of the point of the whole discussion here. Um, Yet they constantly threaten one another. The conflict is very old, as I said. Cyprus has been one-third occupied by Turkey since 1973. It's not recognized by any other country, yet Turkey has the audacity to criticize what they call our occupation of, of, uh, of Judah and Samaria. Um, uh, uh, um, I, I emphasize, no country in the world recognizes Turkish occupation of Cyprus, yet they continue to... Uh, to uh, occupy a third of the, of the nation, including forcible transfers of part of their population and forcible uh, um, uh, ethnic cleansing of the Greeks that formerly lived there, both of which are considered crimes under the Geneva Convention, neither of which have, has Israel done in Judah and Samaria. Um, the, the, the Geneva Convention talks about forcible transfers of per- of populations, whether positive or negative. In other words, had we forced the Palestinians out, had we forced Israelis to uh, occupy um, uh, uh, Judea-, Judea and Samaria. None of these happened here. They're happening in Turkey. And um, uh, uh, as p- people who are aware of maps, Greece has a lot of, uh, uh, almost all of the islands in the Aegean Sea. Some of them are very, very close to Turkey, to, Tur- to the Tur- Turkish coastline, and the Turks are now attempting to use that as an excuse, having in, 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 have even uh, uh, threatened to invade some of these islands. So that's the again see the next area that I'll mention is uh, Kosovo in the Balkans. Everyone knows that the Balkans was the source of the First World War. Kosovo is still very much a uh, bone of contention there. Um, the area that is now called Kosovo, again, to give historical perspective here, uh, uh, um, this is a place where the Serbs considered to, to, to their, the birthplace of their of their nation, is, is what is now called Kosovo. The area called Kosovo is separated because the Turks, when they were under the Ottoman Empire, conquered that area and forcibly uh, Islamicized the population there. So that's the conflict in Kosovo. To give a perspective on that in terms of Jews, during the Holocaust, the Serbs were the only European ethnicity, the only one that actively supported the Jews unconditionally. True, some places like uh, Denmark and Sweden uh, uh, passively supported us or 
at least didn't interfere. The Serbs were the only country to actively support us, while the Croats actively supported and very enthusiastically supported the Nazis, including in the death camps. The Kosovo, uh, 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 pardon me, uh, Serbia is a Slavic country and is, in that sense, is a ally of Russia. And of course, that for that reason, um, Clinton bombs Serbia, and now NATO is threatening to bomb Serbia again. Not that Serbia has done anything to deserve bombing this time, but that's besides the point, as usual. And the last one that I'll mention right now is Kashmir. Kashmir is a uh, 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 another made-in-Britain conflict. Um, India, Pakistan, and China all claim some parts of Kashmir. Kashmir, the full name is Kashmir Anjumo. Uh, when Britain divided, divided India and Pakistan in 1947, this led to the deaths of more than a million people. Again, this is a fact that no one bothers to tell anybody today. Um, Kashmir, a part of Kashmir was occupied by uh, China uh, um, in, in, in one, of the, uh, one of the conflicts with India. Um, uh, uh, um, this has led to uh, continual conflicts to this day. There have been, if I remember correctly, three wars between Pakistan and India over Kashmir. This is an area that has no clear solution. And by the way, geographically, it's probably one of the prettiest areas on the planet. And just to end this with a with a, a, a note of uh, of, uh, of somewhat interest here um, that really reflects on this issue of focal points for possible World War Three, Iran Iranian oil exports exports have this over this past few months reached a five year high. So much for American sanctions. Um, in May. They're, they're, uh, Iran supplied one and a half, over 1.5 million barrels per day. This is while OPEC Plus has been focusing on cutting production. Saudi Arabia has slashed its July production by a million barrels per day. This has not affected the market because American sanctions are basically nonsense. And uh, both Russia and Iran... I should actually say, and Venezuela as well, both Russia and Iran ha have been constantly increasing their energy exports, so-called, despite the um, um, basically ridiculous sanctions that America uh, talks about. So in the last 30 seconds that we have, how do you want to sum it up really quick? Uh, the world has never been closer to world war and never been closer to nuclear holocaust than it is today. And um, basically, this is all on the doorstep of the Biden administration. And it's terrible to have to say that. Wow. On that lovely note, <laughs> we have to end this show. We'll continue next week if we're still around. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Mordechai Ben-Menachem. I don't know, you got it. It's such a terrible thing. You just got a joke, right? Thanks for being with us. Okay.